Just in case anybody is wondering or has any questions, Nikki and I aren't going anywhere. We are delighted to hand over that ministry to Lee and Kira. I remember when we started or when we took over that ministry back in the days of St. Monica, um, it was Lisa and, and Dana that were running the kids' ministry. And the kids were mainly our kids plus some more. And we jumped into that just as, because we saw a need. And we didn't uh, think twice about it. We just jumped in. We we're happy to take that on so that we could take some of the load off of them. And as God often does, when you are faithful to do what he's called you to do, he gives you vision and he gives you heart for that ministry. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't really have a heart for kids' ministry, that's not really necessary. If you're faithful to God and you're faithful and you, and you answer the call to, to serve in whatever capacity you see that there is a need, you will find inside of you that God will awaken a passion and a vision and a heart for what he's called you into. I speak that from my own experience. Regardless of what the ministry is or what it involves, if we are faithful to God, he will, he will in turn give us more. Amen? So that's my plug for Lee and Kira. For everybody to come out. I want to speak today about vision, primarily the importance of vision. I've been meditating a lot about this lately, primarily around what it means to have a proper vision, to have a proper understanding of what God has for us to do here on this earth. And in fact, even maybe more importantly, what happens when we don't have vision? or when we lose sight of that vision and start to look in other directions. I'm going to be using the word vision and, and revelation a little interchangeably, and you'll see why as we get into the word here. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up memorizing from the King James Version. So a lot of times when there's scriptures in my head, it's in the King James Version, even though I don't read the King James anymore. But it still is there, and there's just such power to it, right? Where there's no vision, the people perish. And in the New King James, it says it a little differently. It says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. And then finally, just to wrap it all together, I'm going to go to my mother's favorite version, the Amplified, otherwise known as the longest version of the Bible. It says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy is and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. This verse makes two things very clear. That without vision, without revelation, our life can go off the rails. And it does go off very quickly. If we lose sight of who God is, of what God's called us to, of even just that revelation of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, we no longer have that focus that keeps our lives on track. And I don't know if you've discovered, as I have over the years, how easy it is for things to slide in your life. Discipline is hard to maintain, it's hard to keep, it takes intensity, it takes focus, but not having discipline is incredibly easy. You just have to stop doing all those things. You know, you have to kick yourself out of bed in the morning if you have a goal to go and, you know, get up and exercise or get up and read the Word or, you know, get up and start your day at a certain time. But it's incredibly easy to stop that. You just turn off your alarm, go back to bed. And if we have no vision, if we have no revelation, or if we have 
what is an incorrect vision, then that's going to lead us down even a worse path. And the end of this is essentially the destruction of our souls. You know, the end of things, the, the people perishing. With proper vision, we begin to put things in place to achieve this vision. And I love this scripture here that Paul uses where he talks about, about disciplining the body. And he says, do you not know that those who run in a race run? But one who receives the prize, only one. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. I don't know if you've ever seen some of those shows. Um, uh, what's that one that, with the greatest athlete in the world or something like that? I forget the name of it. The ones that CrossFit athletes. Well, they're training, like they're insane regimens that they train for. And in fact, anyone who has a goal in mind, who is focused on achieving something, disciplines themselves. You know, forces their body to do things that, in my mind, my body is not meant to do, in order to achieve that goal. And Paul says they do it to obtain a, obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, one that does not fade away. And so therefore I run, not with uncertainty, and there I fight, not as one who just punches the air. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And the word that's used here where it talks about discipline my body, it's actually a very harsh word in the Greek. It talks about punishing your body. It talks about putting yourself through that rigorous regimen like a fighter who goes and knows that the only way to get strong is to fight and to get beaten and to become stronger and to get tougher. It's a similar word that's being used here. That word has that meaning as well, which says to us that for us to recognize the the race that we're in, the calling that God has placed on our lives, we have to be ready to put aside things in our life that detract from that. And this brings us back to vision. Because if we don't see that, we're not going to put these things in place. We're not going to push ourselves to, to a higher level to try and get even closer to what God has for us. And this understanding to me even brings a new light to what James says when he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, this doesn't mean we go out and we look for bad things to happen to us. We don't physically punish ourselves. We don't do any of that, anything weird like that. But it makes you understand that when we are going through hard times, when we feel like we're under attack, when maybe even our physical body is being pushed to its limits or, or racked with sickness or whatever the case might be, that we can rejoice that inside of me God is doing something that is making me more than I was before. It's not easy to accept. I understand that. But your vision needs to encompass this. How does, does your vision encompass the suffering that you face, the trials that you face, the challenges that you face? Or is it a matter of when things come against you, that it, it causes you to fall apart. Because why is this happening to me? Why would God let this happen? Why is this, you know, why, 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 why? When instead of saying, Lord, I thank you that even in this trial, even in this struggle, even in this pressure, this insane, intense pressure that I'm under, that you are working something inside of me, that you are building patience, that you are building faith. And patience is only built through endurance. It's not something that we can build in any other way but going through things. Amen? 
If your vision of God is not such that you are willing to lay your life down for him, for this kingdom, then I would challenge you that your vision is too small. You know, I was thinking about this while we were worshiping and just some of the songs that we were singing. You know, God is not refined or confined to a little figurine that we can put up on our shelf for good luck, as you often see with little Buddhas all over the place and things like that. God is so immense. Scripture says he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And if you, as you think of God, and you think of your life in God, see him as being or see the kingdom of God as being something that you do alongside of the rest of your life, then it's time to go back to the Word and see what the Word says about God. I encourage you, if you haven't read it recently, to go back and read the book of Job, chapter 38 specifically. When Job has been speaking and his friends have been speaking and everybody's been speaking and going on and and just back and forth about all these things that Job is going through, and God just appears to Job out of a whirlwind and begins to question him. And every time I read that, I'm humbled yet again. And I just have this picture in my mind. I don't know if you see some of these things when you read the scripture of just this little man sitting on the ground with this massive tornado in front of him. And God's saying, brace yourself like a man. I am now going to ask you some questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? It, it humbles me. Go to Ezekiel and read the, the, the vision that Ezekiel had of God of Isaiah, read, read uh, Genesis of how God created the heavens and the earth, read Revelation and, and read the end of time and all that is coming through and let your vision of God be expanded to something more so you can say, okay, whatever I have is yours. Whoever I am is yours. Because our vision for ourselves has to go beyond ourselves. If your vision is of yourself, if your goal for your life, if if the way you think about your life, and this is why I kind of use words like revelation and vision and even just seeing clearly interchangeably because I'm trying to impart the way you see who you are and who God is and how you fit into this picture. 1 Corinthians says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. The day you bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, the day that you repented of your sins, the day that you put your hands to the plow, as it were, the, the day that you, that you entered into the kingdom of God, you were bought with a price, and you are no longer your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. goes on to say in Colossians that you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. That's a pretty heavy statement. It's pretty heavy because we can no longer just say that, well, I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live a cleaner life. So essentially my life is, is cleaner than the world, but my goal is not much different than the world in that I really want to be happy, I want to be fulfilled, I want to have a good job, I want to have a good marriage, good relationship, I want to have this, this, and this. And all of these things are good things, but they are behind. Because the thing that is in front, the thing is at the forefront or needs to be at the forefront of our vision is that our life is lived for him. Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. My life is now no longer my own. Everything that I do is done with this filter in mind. 
the way I parent, the way I love my wife, the way I lead in the body, the way I work, the, the way I lead at work, the way I, the way I even I function day to day is based off of this. My life is no longer my own. I have died, and my life is hidden in Christ. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I always love the scripture. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I would ask you some questions. Is the way you live your life based on this? Or is it based, if you are honest with yourself, with you more at the center of your vision than anything else? Do you make decisions for your life around what is comfortable, what is expedient, what is logical, what makes the most sense, rather than what God has called you to? I'm always amazed by, you know, when I look around and see how many people God has brought to this church, has brought to this city from different areas of the country and from different countries in the world. And it's a beautiful thing to me because God is doing something here and he has called people from all over Canada and from all over the world to come and contribute to this and come and be a part of this. Now, the question always is, well, and I remember when we moved to Vancouver because God put it on our heart to come over here from Victoria and be a part of what he was doing here at Revolution Church. The amount of people that said to us, oh, Vancouver is so expensive. You're never going to make it there. You're going to have to drive so far all the time. I mean, coming from Victoria, driving 10 minutes, woof, that's a long time. If you move 50 minutes away, it was good knowing you, buddy. I will see you once or twice a year. And now we drive like, you know, 45 minutes, half an hour. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not far. It's only half hour away. Like, it's just your perspective changes. But I do remember that and, and just having that, that fear coming upon us of saying, what is this going to look like? God is calling us to do this. I was leaving you know, a job where I, you know, a job and a scenario where we had security to come over here to do a job that I didn't feel qualified for, that I didn't feel like I had the capability to do. And in fact, even to say, before we left uh, Victoria, I remember I'd been applying for work because I was trying to get a different job. And I felt like my, like my, my resumes were just going straight into people's recycle bins. Like I was getting no traction, nothing at all. And if, if you've ever had to struggle to look for work, you know how demoralizing that is, where you put yourself out there, you put together a good cover letter, you put together your resume, and then nobody answers. You're like, wow, do I really have anything to offer the world? So when this job offer came, I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, what are you, like, what is even happening here? This is, I'm here in my mind, and this job is up here, and I'm like, I don't even know if I can do this. If I'm going to take my family, move over to Vancouver, where everything is more expensive, our rent went up like more than double, to go and move here, what happens if I fail? What happens if I don't succeed? And I can say with all honesty that God is so faithful that if you are obedient to what he's called you to do rather than to what is expedient, rather than to what is logical or makes sense, that he will honor that. He will bless that in ways that you cannot even imagine. I look back at my life now and, and I, yeah, amen. Let's give God thanks for that. I look back at my life and I can't even imagine what it would be like to have not followed God and done what he had said to do. What is your vision for your children, for those of you that have children? 
You know, is your goal, is your desire for them, for them to be successful, for them to be rich, for them to be awakened church? Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry, my son's sitting in front of me. I've got to tease him. <laughs> I mean, all these things are good, right? We all desire to see our kids succeed. I mean, if you love your kids, you want good things from them, right? You want to see them do well. But ultimately, my goal and our goal cannot be that our children's success is now more important than anything else in life. And this is a challenge for many people. And I, am, I, I apologize right now, but sports is a big one that causes people to really go off sideways on this. Because it becomes more important and all of a sudden you begin to make choices and say, well, Sunday mornings, I don't have to be in church. You know, my son has to play, the sports are going on, I have to do this and that. And if the goal becomes for your children's success to be higher than them being who God has called them to be, then your vision has gone sideways. And you need to come back and reassess. Now, not everything, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? You need to find out in God what is the season and the timing that you're in. There is times and there is seasons where you might focus more on one thing or the other, but your ultimate goal and ultimate vision for your children is to be, would be to see them become who God has called them to be, to see them live out their calling and potential and, and, and all that God has for them. And I put this verse up there because this is God speaking about Abraham. And he says, I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken of him. And even further down in, in Malachi, where he's talking about a husband and wife, he says, but he, did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. One of the reasons why God brings a, a husband and a wife together, not just for their mutual benefit and for them to advance the kingdom together, but for them to raise godly offspring, for them to have children who are raised in the way of the Lord, who are raised to honor and respect and, and fear the Lord and to seek him all their days and to raise up the next generation. And if your vision of, of your life and the life of your family doesn't include that, then you need to stop, back, you need to stop and step back and, and begin to reassess how you prioritize where your focus is in your life. Because I promise you that you'll get much more value at the end of times, knowing that your children are serving God, than your children having played sports, or gotten into the best college, or gotten the best job, or having a good career. Again, all of these things are good, but in light of the kingdom, that has to, the kingdom has to take priority in our hearts. What about for the church? What does your vision look like for you inside of the church? Is your vision for the church you go to a beautiful place where people care for you, where you're being fed spiritually, and where you're surrounded by a healthy community of people you can relate to? These are all wonderful things. There's nothing wrong with this. We want these things. But these cannot be the this cannot be the core of what our vision is for what God has called us into as a church. The church is called often the body of Christ. And we are spoken of being members of that body and each and every one of us having a part to play. In fact, in Ephesians 4, the scripture where it talks about how he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The next line there I've highlighted and set it apart for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. If you are sitting here right now and you think that the work of ministry is being done by those who are sitting up here, then you're wrong. The work of the ministry is for each and every one of us to do. 
Every single one of us that is sitting here, everybody that's watching online, every single one of us has a part to play in this body of Christ. And it goes on to say that for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I would say we still have some work to do. Amen? Yeah, we still do. And it's going to take every single one of us. It's not going to take just you know, a handful of people who are leading, a handful of people who are serving. It's going to take the full body, um, as it says here in verse, four, in verse 15 and 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every single one of us bringing the gifting, the anointing, the service, the finances, the, um, the focus, the prayer. Every single one of us bringing all that we have into this kingdom, into this storehouse, into this body, so that we as a church can achieve the vision that God has called us to. And I think about it like this. We're not looking for, you know, my vision to be this, and, you know, this is Revolution Church's vision, and we're just kind of going side by side. My vision, in a sense, it has to come underneath what Revolution Church is doing. Now, what am I saying? That might sound a little bit weird. It might sound like whatever, like I have to submit to this and nothing else. The point I'm trying to make is that the vision of Revolution Church, the vision of this body is to advance the kingdom of God. It is to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for us, for every single one of us, that is something that we can plug into without needing to go any further. Because that goes right in line with what our vision for the kingdom should be. To see his kingdom come, his will be done in every person's heart, in every person's life. Amen? Each of us has something unique to contribute and, and something to bring. And if we do not bring that, somebody else will. It's one thing I've learned about God. If you hold silent when God has given you a word to speak, you'll find somebody else will speak that word. But you missed it. And I'm not saying that to like, you know, keep condemnation, just to keep that in mind. That God is going to do what he's going to do. He's called us to be a part of it. He's called us to walk alongside. He's called us to partner with him to see the ends of this earth reached for the kingdom. And we have a choice to make. We can open up our vision. We can open up our revelation and expand kind of our, the way we think to say, I need to be a part of that. Or we can sit back and we can say, well, that's, that's for somebody else. And I, and I pray that you do not. You know, and I speak these, and, and of course the challenge with preaching is often that when you speak, you speak things that are, it's, the word of God is living and active. It's a two-edged sword. You feel it in your own heart as well. You know, I don't ever speak from a place of like, hey, I'm up here doing the great things. You guys need to step up. I look at my own heart and I say, okay, Lord, what are the areas of my life that need to be submitted? What are the areas of my life that need to be laid down in order for me to achieve what you've called me to do? What do I need to do to buffet my body and make it my slave so that when I run, I'm not disqualified? To wrap up here, Scripture says that without vision, the people cast off restraint. And what this looks like in each of our lives is essentially just, be, is just beginning to lose focus and beginning to not do what God has called us to do, not living by the law, not living by the word of God, and instead living by our feelings, living by our own ambitions, living by our own dreams. And this vision talks about the revelation from the word of God. And even though prophetic, you know, when the prophetic speaks, it's an amazing thing and we love when God speaks to us, but I encourage you that the word of God is complete. There is revelation from cover to cover. 
that will show you who God is and show you your place in this kingdom and how you must walk. And our vision must be accurate. It must be aligned with God's word. And this is something that I've really been feeling in my own heart, and this is why I've been meditating on this lately, is for me to stop and say, okay, Lord, are there areas of my vision that are starting to go this way and starting to go that way? When I think about my business, when I think about my family, when I think about my children, and for me to just stop and say, okay, I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, and I begin to just realign my focus to say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you call me to do. doesn't matter what it is because I want to see your kingdom come. And then once we have this vision that we, can, that we can get along, that we can see in front of us and we can understand where we're going, we begin to make changes to align to it. And so I always encourage, I love action, I love practicality. The kingdom of God is not just you know, something that's in our minds. It is very practical, it is very real. When you begin to see what God has called you to do, I encourage you to make changes in your life, to realign to that. If you're too busy, which we all seem to be, find ways to not be so busy. And I know I, I, I hear it even as I say it. I've tried to not be busy, and it's incredibly difficult. There's so much happening. But we need to find in ourselves the ability to put behind the things that are holding us back so that we can press into what God has called us to. Amen? Let's just stand together. I thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful. And Lord, that whatever you've called us into, you don't call us to walk alone. You call us, Lord, to walk in by the power of your spirit and you empower us and strengthen us for the task at hand. And Lord, I ask that for each and every one of us here that you will, Lord, that you will cause this word to go deep, that we will assess the way we think of ourselves, the way we think of you, the way we see our place in this kingdom of God. And that we will begin to realign ourselves, if necessary, Lord, to what you've called us into. Lord, I, I ask that you forgive us for when we have done whatever is expedient. Just whatever makes the most sense. Same logic that the world uses. Lord, I ask that you stretch us in our faith to step out in areas that frighten us or areas that make us uncomfortable. So that we can achieve what you've called us to here. I thank you, Lord. Just even that song we sang, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. I just praise you, Lord Jesus. Just thank you, Lord. Even as we just go into our next song here, as we worship together, I just encourage you to, it might not be something you complete today, but to begin to just allow God to speak to you in your life, areas in your life that need to be addressed, that need to be laid down, and answer the call. Thank you, Lord.